0: Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Touching Jesus by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we we are still worshipping you. Lord, we desire to hear from you. We make ourselves available, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and open our hearts. But most of all, let the veil fall that we would see more of Christ. Jesus, everything in this wonderful word speaks of you, highlights you and reveals you. Open our eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts, I pray, in your wonderful name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to meet me in Mark chapter 5. This morning I'd like to talk about an instance in the Gospels which changed my prayer life and changed much of my perception of church and our uh, even our life with Christ. Often we might, I, I want to maybe even debunk a few myths today. Um, if, if you're a God chaser here this morning, stop chasing him, he's not running anywhere. And Over the last couple of years, my prayer life has changed from Father, may your presence fall to seeing how your presence is already here, Lord, open my eyes. (laughs) Uh, I pray less for God to move nowadays and I pray more for God to move me. And the reason I say that is much of our perception of church is that we have to lay hold of God or that God has to come down necessarily. Uh, maybe we need to find the secret formula. Maybe we need to tap into the secret avenues. Maybe, maybe we need the next super pastor. Maybe we need the next guru, swami, evangelist that can swing his coat and breathe the Holy Spirit on us. God can move in those ways. Yes. But let me also tell you that God can absolutely move in powerful ways in your prayer closet on Monday. today we want to make space for God to move in people's lives because we believe that God heals, brings wholeness to all of our lives. Wholeness speaks far more than just the physical. But the truth of the reality is you don't need Sunday. You don't need church. You don't even need to come out the front this morning if that's not what you... If God's not calling you, you don't need to. You want to know why? You can encounter Christ... Right where you are. You can encounter Christ, whether I'm here or not. I know you are all shocked. And often, we search the Gospels looking for the formula of, what do I have to do to get what I want from God? And there's no formulas. But one lady today, we're going to see one woman that is named in Scripture today. When there were hundreds around Christ, one lady touched him. One lady did something different. And I want to encourage everybody here this morning, you can encounter Christ today. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I've never encountered Christ at all. I'm glad you're here. If you're sitting here today saying, you know what, I've got an enormous need in my life and needs come in various packages, then you, I'm glad you're here this morning. If you're sitting here going, you know what, for me, my Christian walk has become dry and somewhat lifeless, I'm glad you're here this morning. It was never meant to be this way. It was never meant to be that way. Uh, I, I appreciate A.W. Tozer, Aiden. Tozer uh, was a man that preached and lived around the 50s and I appreciate A.W. Tozer because although he never studied in seminary, he was given honorary theological degrees, which basically means you know more than us, we're going to give you an accolade for it. Uh, A.W. Tozer was a man that came from conservative backgrounds when it comes to church life and he searched all of the writings of the mystics and the mystics are kind of swing from the rafters, bordering on new age kind of stuff. And he says, the conservatives are all the way over this side and the mystics are all the way over this side. And he said, there's a beautiful place in the middle where we can encounter and experience God in our daily lives. It should actually be normal for us. And so today we're going to have a look at a woman who experienced Christ When many around her did not. If you've got your Bibles and you've met me in Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 24. And the context here is Jesus has been approached by a man by the name of Jairus. Spare a thought for Jairus because he comes to Jesus and says, Hey, you know, uh, my daughter is near death. And Jesus says, I will come. Now, on the way to Jairus' house, something happens. Jairus' daughter passes away, by the way, but not for very long. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And I believe in the culture that we live in today, there is a great danger of being a part of the crowd or a greater danger of remaining part of the crowd. We, we're looking at a crowd. You've got to understand there's hundreds of people and they're all trying to get a hold of Jesus and they're all wanting to touch him and they're all wanting to experience him and they all want to watch what he's going to do and they all want to hear what he's got to say. And although they're all around him, none of them are going to encounter him. Not in the way that this woman does. And the great danger today is that we can be around Jesus. Jesus doesn't have any groupies, by the way. We can can be around Jesus. You can be in the proximity of Jesus. You can be in church. You can sit in the seats. Your parents might have gone to church. You may have gone to church for some time and then walked away. But you can be around Jesus and not encounter him. That's what what the crowd teaches us today. The crowd teaches us they were following him and they thronged around him. That's not an accidental word. And my prayer today is that people will move from and that God will urge us on and move us on from casual contact with Christ to experiencing Jesus. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. (laughs) And there was a woman. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And I want to put a little bit of context around what's going on here. Before, most of us will know the story of what is about to happen. This woman is about to press through the crowd and grab hold of Jesus. And she should not have done that. For what reasons? First of all, she's a woman. She had a place to do that. Second of all, we might think to ourselves, why did she not just press up and ask Jesus and say, hey, I've got this problem. The reason is, the minute she had an issue of blood, she is ceremonially unclean amongst the Jews. And what that means is something that kind of, the context slips us today, because what that meant in the first century was, the fact that she'd had an issue of blood for 12 years for this lady means this, she no longer lives in her home, she is likely to be divorced from her husband, he would have wrote her a certificate of divorce, uh, she wouldn't be able to contact her friends, she's not allowed to walk into the markets and buy food, she can't go to the temple and worship, she's completely and utterly socially ostracised from everybody. If she touches somebody, they are ser- ceremonially unclean, and they adopt the same position until they go through the rites of cleansing to come back in. So there's no way this woman's going to walk up to Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, hey, can you touch me for a moment? And if there was one person in all of the crowd that you would have put your finger on and said, this person will never experience Christ, it was this woman. She Under the culture of the day, she was not supposed to approach Christ. Here's the beautiful truth about Jesus. Isn't it interesting how when she does, she doesn't make him unclean. He makes her clean. If she didn't drag Jesus down, Jesus always lifts us to a better place. Here we find a woman that's got an issue of blood. Let's have a listen to what else has happened in her life. She She has a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Encountering Christ for this woman and for us involves one thing. It involves, first of all, risk you will find that the the time that you encounter Christ is when you take the greatest risks in your life. Uh, When God, for those two or three people that read the pastor's comments, thank you, but for those that read the pastor's comments, you would have read this morning about divine dilemmas and how uh, I use the example of of Israel when they were brought out of Egypt. Israel are brought out of Egypt. They they leave slavery in Egypt. They've got all the treasures of Egypt and everything's going hunky-dory. God, by His miraculous glory and power, has overcome Pharaoh and they've been let go. And they get out to what Scripture describes as where God led them. God led them and all of a sudden they're confronted with the Red Sea. And the minute they turn around on the other side... They've got a formidable Egyptian army pursuing them on horseback and chariots because they want them them back. The immediate reaction of the Israelites is our own reaction so often. Were there not enough, this is their words, were there not enough graves in Egypt that God brought us out here to die on the banks of the Red Sea? And what had actually happened was God had moved them to a position where when they looked left or they looked right, they looked forward, they looked back, there were zero options. And God causes divine dilemmas in our lives where he removes every other view except looking up. God will do whatever he has to do in your life to get you to look up to look outside of yourself, to look outside of everybody else, to look outside of all the other avenues and to look up. And this woman has a divine dilemma. She's been to every single physician. She's been to every avenue she knows and she hasn't gotten any better. She's been growing worse. And approaching Christ is enormous risk. She could be stoned for what she's about to do. And when God hems you in, it's going to take a risk to look up, to look away from everything else and say, I can only look at you. Uh, the Apostle Peter, he gets slammed a fair, to- a fair bit. you know. When, when we talk about Thomas, we always think about doubting Thomas and forget the work that he did in India after he encountered Christ. And, and when we think of Peter, we always think about the times that he denied Christ. but. But if I can speak in Peter's defence this morning, there was a moment when the boat had gone out and the disciples were in the boat and Jesus walks on the water to them in the middle of the night and they're all frightened. He says, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter's the only one that stands up in the boat and says, Jesus, if it's you, let me get out of the boat. And I don't know whether it was two steps and I don't know whether it was 10 steps. But I guarantee you this, for a moment in time, Peter walked on water. Okay, he saw the wind and the waves. Okay, he sank and he cried out to Jesus to save him. But the other disciples were still in the boat. And all too often, we don't encounter Christ and we don't walk on the water in our lives because we stay in the boat. It's comfortable here, Jesus. We have a comfortable, casual Christianity. When you encounter Christ... He removes the word casual. I have found. She had suffered much. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had it was no better, but rather grew worse. And there are people sitting here in this place today, and that's your testimony. Your testimony is, I'm not getting any better. Your testimony is, I have suffered with this area of sin. I have suffered with depression. I have suffered under these addictions. I have suffered with these illnesses, I have suffered with these complaints, I have suffered with a hole in my life, and I'm not getting any better. And it doesn't matter what physician you've been to, it doesn't matter what avenue you've looked at, I'm not saying we shouldn't go to the doctor, don't... If you feel you should go to the doctor, go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't go to counsellors, go to counsellors. But before you go to the doctor, before you go to the counsellor, before you do any of that, will you look up, please? And say, Jesus, I'm going to go and do this, but I'm looking at you. We're going to see in a moment with this woman that her faith was actually flawed and imperfect. But one part of it was right, the part that matters. She had a discharge of blood. She hadn't grown better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, but she had heard. Please underline and highlight that word. She had heard the reports about Jesus. And if you're in this place this morning and no matter what's happening or happened in your life, I want you to hear the report about Jesus. I want you to hear the report, not about a 12 step program, not about the next physician, not about the next guru, Swami evangelist that can swing his coat, because I want you to hear about Jesus. There's nothing new under the sun, says Ecclesiastes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. The man, the God man that walked the earth 2,000 years ago is the same man that can make you whole today. Same man. And what this lady had done, she had heard the reports about Jesus. And that word, heard, in the Greek is hearing, and it's about giving heed to. It's understanding, comprehending, and giving heed to the word of God. I, uh, not here, but in, in times past, I've had many people come and say to me, uh, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this, I've tried that. Uh, I, I, I've tried reading this, I've tried doing this, uh, and nothing seems to work. And I said, maybe the problem is in everything that you're trying. Remember a time back in the Old Testament, King Saul. King Saul was a troubled soul. But in the Old Testament, the voice of God came through the prophets. And the prophet Samuel uh, would often bring the word of the Lord to King Saul. But then Samuel dies. And Saul does something enormously stupid and silly. He goes to what the Bible describes as a necromancer or a medium to raise Samuel up so that he can hear the word of God about a situation in his life. Before we slam Saul, sometimes we go to silly extremes. But when he does, waiting for Saul, well, you're here now, Samuel, you may as well well tell me what God wants me to do. And Samuel said, that's very easy. Go back and do what he told you to do in the first place. Stop looking for the new word, Stop looking for what God's got for you now and go back and do what he told you to do in the first place. Give heed to the word of God. Giving heed to the word of God is not merely listening and moving on. It means that it actually has traction in your life and it causes you to do something. And it caused this woman to do something. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus... And so she did something. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. Uh, The Gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician, by the way. Uh, The Gospel of Luke and also the Gospel of Matthew will tell us that she grabbed hold of the hem of his garments. They will tell us that her inner dialogue says, if I could just grab the hem of his garments. Have a listen to what she says now. She says, if I touch even his garments... I will be made well. And this astounds me because many people in the Gospels Jesus touched, this is one woman that touches Jesus. If I just touch even his garments, I will be made well. And the phrase, I will be made well, is a wholeness. In Isaiah 53, we all love those verses, don't we? By his stripes we were That's 1 Peter, 2.24. Isaiah is, I healed. Looking to the cross, Peter looks back to Calvary. And that word healing there speaks of wholeness. And it's actually a reference to the redeeming work of Christ. And what that means is, does that mean that God physically heals people today? Absolutely. That's exactly what it means. But it also means that if... You have any part of you that is unwhole. Jesus came to make you whole, spiritually whole. Blaise Pascal says that we're all born with a God-shaped hole in our hearts that only he can fill, and we spend our lives trying to cram everything else into that hole, and you won't be whole until Jesus fills that hole. We live in a society and a culture today where many people are un and they're running through life cramming everything into their life in an attempt to be whole that's why we need more people encountering Christ she had heard the report about Jesus she says if i just touch even his garments i will be made well and and many people will read superstition. If I just touch his garments as, as there's some kind of virtue in this superstition, her faith may be flawed. Her theology may be flawed. Do you know your theology may be flawed? Maybe my theology is flawed. I don't know. But I know this one thing. Your faith may not be perfect. You may not know all of the Bible perfectly. You may not be able to recite heaps of memory verses. But when Jesus is the object of your faith, you're in the right place. Uh, The most important thing is who you are looking at. (laughs) Uh, It may be imperfect. Your approach may be imperfect. But Jesus will meet you right where you are at. The question we have to ask is, who are we looking at? Who is the object of our faith? If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Verse 29, And immediately... The flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Praise the living God. I love this next verse. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power, ah, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? I was enormously challenged when I read this verse. Because if I'm honest, and if we're all honest, and if we reflect upon our own hearts, if there is one thing that is missing from the church of Jesus Christ today, it's power. We need more power. Let me tell you what you don't need. You don't need another life coach. You don't need another 12-step program. You don't need another guy waving his coat. We don't need to dance around making chicken noises and barking like a dog. What we need to do is we need to grab hold of the power of God. When we have a bunch of clowns up at Moosa wanting to teach some very questionable material in our churches, the church needs to have power. We need to have a power that exists outside of this world. There is only one power and that power is God. And this woman here, right now, today, this woman says, I am not going home the same way I came. This woman is completely and utterly desperate another word for desperation is hunger and so often we hunger for many other things in our lives so often we we're desperate for everything else in our life and i love what augustine says augustine says that that that, that faith uh, sorry he says that flesh presses but faith touches and this one woman is able to touch jesus because of her faith And what happens here in an instantaneous moment is we see a contrast between casual contact with Jesus. There were crowds of people around Jesus. There were crowds that touched him and thronged him, but one woman accessed the power of God. Tell me what has changed in 2000 years? Nothing. Nothing. who touched my garments, verse 31, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd. You see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around and whenever God asks a question, God's not looking for information. The same Jesus that knew exactly what Judas was going to do knew exactly which woman touched him. The reason Jesus asked this question is he wants this woman to stand up and come forward. See what happens. Who touched me? In verse 32, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, that's a powerful word. Jesus uses that reference twice. He uses it here, and he uses it to a little girl that he raises up and says, Daughter, I tell you, arise. Daughter means relationship. Daughter speaks of closeness. Daughter speaks of nearness. It's a beautiful, powerful, profound word. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you sound. Soundness extends beyond the physical, it extends right through the emotional as well as into the spiritual. Jesus says, you will be made well. And he also says, you've been healed of your disease. And when he does so, he uses two different words. Uh, Wholeness is what he means first time when he says made you well. Second time he says disease or in the Greek plagues, which means the same thing as it does in the Old Testament. Here's what I love about Christ. Jesus is absolutely interested in healing your physical body. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't want to stop there. And see what happens is under the Old Testament, plagues were a reference to uh, uh, punishment meted out by God. 10 plagues of Egypt, uh, punishment meted out by God for rebellion what Jesus is saying is I'm taking all of that away no matter what you're missing, no matter what part of you is incomplete or unwhole, I'm going to take it all away any enmity between God as I come to a close this morning, thank you Maria We're going to ask the worship team to come back in a moment and we're going to continue to worship, but I wonder if we could sit and just examine our hearts for a moment. I want to ask a few questions. When I was looking at these scriptures this week, this woman enormously challenges me because how often am I happy to be the crowd? Or too often... Church can be, well, you know, I just wander in, punch my time card, wander out. And a relationship with Christ was never meant to be like that. One question I have for you today is, are you satisfied just merely being one of the crowd? And do you fall under the bracket of casual contact with Christ? I'm not talking about church attendance here, by the way, either. God can lead you to whether you come here on Sunday or not. Uh, any given Sunday, if, you, if you're a, one of those that are staying for our newcomer's lunch, you'll, you'll hear me say this. Our heart here as an eldership and as a leadership, our heart is this. Uh, anybody that turns up here Sunday, we want to move you closer to Jesus. Whatever we have to do, we want to we move you from crowd. You see, Jesus kind of had three concentric circles. Uh, He had the crowd. Jesus always had a crowd around him. Not all of them liked him by the way. Not all of them were pleasant to be around, but Jesus always had a crowd. Then he had some that were committed. You actually see that uh, in John chapter 6 you'll see that there were a committed bunch that many of them left. Uh, Then he had the core and they were the disciples. Now our heart here is that everybody would move from the crowd to the core. And What I take heart is, you know those core people that were around Jesus, you know those 12 disciples? One would betray him, another would deny him three times, and all bar one of them, when the guards come in the garden, would flee. Every one of them had flaws. I challenge you to find one prominent leader in the Bible that didn't have some kind of serious flaw. Find one person in the Bible that God used or encountered Christ that didn't have flaws. No, no. Do you fall under the bracket of casual contact with Christ? This goes more than church attendance. This is about your everyday. Do you merely press Christ with your flesh or do you seek to touch him in faith? Maybe today's the day when you say, Jesus, I'm desperate to encounter you. I'm desperate, Lord, to, to drink at your well and your fountains. And my last question is, will you be made whole today? Is there anything missing? Can we sit in silence for a moment? Let's bow our heads. The boss I ever had was almost 80 when I started working for him, was close to 90 by the time I finished, and was still working over 40 hours a week when I, was, when I left. He was, for a long time, the only man, Ken, wherever you are, he was the only man that... He was the radiator shop in Tasmania for many, many years. He had multiple bank accounts. He was a very wealthy man. He had property all over Launceston, that place across the sea. But when he died, he taught me an enormously valuable lesson. He worked hard all his life. He had property all over but when he stands before God, he'll lose every one of it, every bit of it. Every dollar that's in the bank, every house that he owns, every car. He had a Daimler jag that he used to roll up. It was, it was a nice car, but man, he hit some gutters and trashed it by the time he'd finished with it. He, used to, he was blind in one eye and couldn't see out the other. But, but all the cars that he had, all the money that he had, the property he had, he had the best place in the middle of town where the workshop was. And now if you go to Tasmania and you walk the streets of Launceston and you say, Trevor Iken, i will go, Boo. he didn't take any of it with him. And Paul says, whatever you invest into the kingdom of God, whatever you allow God to invest into you, what did Jesus say to Laodicea? I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire so that when you stand before him and when the fire is applied to your life, you don't see any U-Haul trucks at a funeral. Note the kindness and the severity of God. The severity is that we will stand before God and we will give an account of the life that we have lived. We will give an account of what he has deposited into us. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Paul didn't mince words. Verse twenty-three, and even they, if they do not continue, this is—we're talking about Israel now. You think God's forgotten about Israel? And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief will be grafted in for God has the power to graft them in again. As we come to a close, thank you, Maria and worship team. We're going to sing before we go home. I want to read the final words of Romans chapter 11 because I could not find any better way to finish this chapter. Next week, we begin our journey through Romans chapter 12, and I'm enormously excited because it's going, to take, it's going to take probably a month to get through the first two verses. But then Paul goes from a philosophical response to a practical one. What does it look like in our daily lives to respond to the message of the gospel? So I'm enormously excited for all of that. But as he finishes, listen to this. Verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Verse 36, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And if you're sitting here this morning, thinking to yourself, what do I have to do to respond to God's awesome love? Well, will tune in for Romans chapter 12. This morning, due to current circumstances, we're not going to open up the front, but can we stand together? And can we pray in God's presence together? And if, you, if you're if you sitting here this morning and any part of this morning has spoken to you, then I encourage you to reach out to God right where you are. Let us pray together this morning. Father, I thank you that you've grafted us in how beautifully profound that truth is, that you would graft us in. Lord, we want to be the remnant. No matter who walks away from you, no matter how much the world thinks that the church is an old-aged fashion thing that has no relevance today, Lord God, we want to be those that stand for you no matter what anybody else says. Lord, may you not find us in unbelief, but standing fast in faith. And I pray for every person here this morning reaching out to you, Lord God, that you would meet them right where they're at. Lord God, I pray for your blessing. I pray that you would touch. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Lord, as we sing this last song together in your presence, we pray, Lord God, that all of the old would be washed away. All of the old stumbling, all of the old dancing with many other things in our lives, that we would put away all the other dance partners and grab hold of the hands of God. We ask this in your glorious name. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast.